0: It's your Kali.
1: What's, what's up? Hey, y'all. What's up? You're about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, live music, booty bump and beats, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning, there's a possibility that your mind will blow.
2: This show will start...
0: Five,
3: four, three, two, one. One.
1: One. one. Due to the coronavirus, the following show is being produced and broadcast by the Yolokali youth from their homes. So sit back, relax at home and enjoy the show. Hello everybody, you're listening to Lumpin' Radio on 105.5 FM WLPN LP Chicago, and this is What's Up Humans in the Music Scene. 2020 was supposed to be the year of music in Chicago, but we all know how that turned out. In today's episode, we have four very special interviews with various members of Chicago's music scene to discuss the impact COVID-19 has had on the music industry and if it will ever be the same again. From artists, photographers, DJs, musical event curators, and organizers, we've got it all. So stay tuned for all the interviews we've got in store for you. And exclusive, super juicy gossip not even TMZ could get their hands on. Let's listen to the first one right now. Hey yo, Charlie, play the track.
0: And welcome back. Remember, you are listening to WLPN, LP Chicago, 105.5 FM lumpen Radio. And I am your host, Melissa. And for this episode, we'll be introducing humans in the music scene. And, you know, this is more about how music artists, specifically they're locally in Chicago, are coping with COVID-19 and the pandemic and just kind of catch up to see what they're doing. And in this specific interview, we'll be interviewing david and diana from field trip records and in this conversation we'll just find out what um how they're coping with um COVID 19 and just know more about their record label and just being you know just producing music in chicago so without further ado let's get on to that
4: am uh, david uh the shop sweep at field trip
3: <laughs> and i'm diana uh we co-own field trip so
0: Okay. Um so my first question would be if, you know, if you could tell us what Field Trip Records does and what you guys are, I guess.
3: Yeah, so Field Trip is a record label and artist collective. We as well as putting out records, we also do screen printing and design which David handles all the visual stuff um for the label and um has a a line of screen printed tees that he's done. And yeah, we put out records. It's not limited to genre. So whatever we're interested in that, you know, comes into our inbox or that we uh, come across.
4: Just anything creative. We'll get our hands in on it.
3: Okay, awesome. So, going with that
0: conversation, how has like the process of creating musical community been from your like from your record label?
4: Like post COVID. Yeah, this
0: is more post COVID.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, challenging, a little difficult. Scary. Scary. <laughs> it's been new to us, uh, especially for both of us. And a lot of our bands, we're always outgoing. It's what we know how to do is connect in person, so it was a lot, it was definitely a different path that we had to take and learn. Um, So we've been, like everyone else on the internet, doing everything on Zoom, you know, trying to get all our content internet ready. In the past we were doing a lot of shows, we had monthly nights, a lot of pop-ups, we had our own store, so it was definitely one that was rooted in like the old analog world before COVID. So. I mean, we had to change really quickly, but we're still learning. I think everyone is.
0: Okay, and now this is more of a pre-COVID question. Like, how was the process of planning a record release or event? Like, how did that work?
3: Going from... You know, when a band finishes a record, usually all of the back end stuff, you know, we would be meeting multiple times a month, discussing, you know, strategy and getting all of the assets together. And I mean, the main thing would be planning a release show. So that was sort of the capstone of the whole project. And, you know, being able to play the record for the first time. Uh, for fans was always really special so you know not being able to do that is a bummer but you know with the internet we're you know banking on doing live streams or pre-recorded stuff pre-recorded performance yeah just trying to adapt
4: (laughs) yeah like I said before pre-covid we were definitely you know how we did everything was always in person a lot easier for us to work with as well being like what we're used to. We usually are, are close with our bands or anybody we're working with. And being out and about is always something that we did too. You know, it's a good way to bond with our artists, whether it was planning one of their shows or going to check out other bands. And you know, always meet and greet other people and make sure that you know they would know that we're we're still there. We run into so many artists before just telling us about their release or people from other labels telling us about their next releases it's a it's a tight community so yeah like now we 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 haven't seen any of the other label guys Mm-mm. or any of the other people there for a long time we we have a small internet group but
3: we're um we're actually part of a small collective of independent labels in Chicago and so we you know would meet once a quarter or do a um a pop-up record fair together so not being able to do that kind of stuff you know has taken away some of the community that we've had where you know you reach a threshold of internet usage per day and (laughs) it's hard to makes it harder to to keep up and hang out with everyone
0: yeah that's totally understandable and now for like the next question it would be like what were the most exciting parts of a record release for your different artists and just kind of what did you enjoy from that
4: the show yeah. yeah. The, the show. show. <laughs>
3: the re- the record release show.
4: It's just a big release for everybody. Yeah. Like you have all this like pent up energy and...
3: You've been working really hard.
4: And it's like, yeah, the official finally in its full experience, the album being played live and everyone is there for that record. And yeah, it's something yeah. that can't be replicated really. <laughs> Through the internet, not yet, you know?
0: And so for like kind of my next question, it would be like in your own perspective, how has quarantine affected like local artists and record labels?
3: I think over time it's brought a, a different creati- creativity out where I think at first, specifically for us, like as a label, you know, we were really concerned about like, should we put out records? You know, what is the world going to look like? Financially, are we able to do it? does it make sense? You know, at like asking a lot of questions, definitely in the first six months where we didn't really do much um, as far as like planning for the, for the future. But it's like after we got over this hump of fear and, you know, really being used to quarantine and like what the world looked like, you know, we just sort of had to accept that that's how things are. And, you know, we got to, keep moving forward and music needs to be out in the world. So let's figure out how to do it.
4: Yeah, I guess the biggest hurdle really is a lot of the avenues of of making money for the the label and the band has been cut off in some ways. Other ones have opened up like the internet and being able to sell online. But yeah, the, the human interaction and the social transaction is always leads to a financial transaction really. At the end of the day, getting to know who your client is and who you're buying from and knowing your customers and things like that. So, and you know, for every show that a band doesn't play, you know, they're losing out on money or losing out on an opportunity to be seen by someone else. So it's been tough, I guess, mostly financially. And then, you know, if, if there is a such a thing as social currency, we're definitely losing out on that as well. You know, that avenue of human interaction.
3: Yeah, because people, people like genuineness and it's hard to translate that over the internet. I, I think, you know, people can still be reached and people are still going to listen to new music and have a, a hunger for that. Yeah, it's it's a bummer not to be able to be in person.
0: Would you say there's any upsides toward being quarantined or? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, getting a break.
3: Really, I mean, because we were just so busy, you know, going to shows all the time having events. I mean, we had um, a record store and I think just getting a mental and physical break was a big plus. And I think it has allowed us to refocus on doing some releases and um, giving us more time for that. So that's been, that's definitely been a positive.
4: I also think that it's allowed a a lot more discovery of what the internet can be and and what it is. And we're seeing that like now with, all of a sudden, this big boom in NFTs and cryptocurrency and uh, Zoom—all these different avenues of interacting with the internet. So that that's definitely a plus side. It's been something I've been really interested in. I feel like when you do reach a crisis, like technology will will take this new leap, and we're definitely doing that now. It's still like in this infancy stage where it doesn't—it hasn't been normalized yet for us but it's, it's happening so quick. It's only been a year and I feel like Zoom is, is here for the rest of my life now, you know, or, uh, Google meets or, or, uh, FaceTime, any of the next things where we could all like meet up when we don't have to be in person, it's definitely integrating in our lives. So I don't think it's going to replace human interaction, but it did allow us to discover other ways to use the internet for, to find more genuine, uh, forms of human interaction, or at least as close as we could get.
3: Yeah. And I think it's increased accessibility as well. You know, I, I hope that going forward with shows that they would also be live streamed so that, you know, people that aren't able to be there in person can also enjoy a live show because you can still get some magic, you know, of the live show through, through a live stream. But I think the accessibility has been a big positive as well.
0: And now for, like, more conversation of going back to more virtual, as we were saying. Um, my other question would be, um, for, like, specifically for DIY events, how, how does that work? Or have you tried doing it virtually?
4: We've talked about it, but, I mean, we're pretty busy. It would be, like, difficult for me. I feel like I personally I haven't come to grips yet completely or have been. I have the conviction yet for, like, live stream shows yet. It's maybe it's because I'm uh, a little bit older more of a dinosaur but there's something like we did diane and i did try to go like uh, for the first few months like try to tap into some live streams or see some you know shows but there is something for me at least visually i could adapt but it's the audio like a a loud room with a subwoofer i don't think could ever be replicated any other way than other than being in that loud room so but I also understand that's my reference point is that loud room, and other people's reference points are are they're going to change. So, mm-hmm. and technology is always going to get better. But yeah, we just haven't tried it. We haven't tapped into it. Um, we have attended, and it is better than nothing. And like I said earlier, it is in it in the infancy. So where we will get better, and it's going to adapt. Which is cool, too, to be a part of it, to see it growing so rapidly.
3: Yeah, we just decided that, you know, we didn't have the time or energy to commit to making a live stream show because so many people were doing it and, you know, just decided that we were going to focus on releasing music versus uh creating events
0: yeah and I would say for my other question was like how for creating music like how do you encourage other I guess people in your record label to you know still keep maintain that creativity and how do you kind of maintain it too
3: (laughs) yeah Um, I mean it's it's really just been them we haven't had to do any encouraging really you know like art is gonna come out when it's when it wants to, and you know they've been inspired, and um, I think it's been therapeutic to be able to continue making music and making art.
4: Yeah, I think also that it's just out of necessity too at this point, where if you remove the live show or you remove the ability to go out or certain forms of social interaction gets limited and bottlenecked, eventually, like any artist will find. An outlet and a recording is is the easiest thing that they could fall back onto of uh, visual art making anything really at this point. I mean, one of our artists, Paul, is making clothes. So he's making bucket hats. You know, he got into sewing. So um at some point, like the 24 hours is always gonna stay the same, but where it goes will be dictated by the current events and right now. We're in this kind of prolonged crisis yeah the artists will always make stuff so yeah that's where we're at we didn't have to encourage them at all yeah they, they will do what they are gonna do which is make things
0: and now this conversation i'm trying to steer more into like post-covid um so now that like covid guidelines are slowly becoming like less rigid, specifically for
3: Chicago, like what do you most look forward to? Music in a park. I think that sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, being able to have live music in an outdoor setting is is going to be the first step and the safest, really. Attendees continuing to wear masks, distancing, you know, having enough land or space to be able to do that. I mean, it is hard to control a crowd. So there's always going to be that risk there. But yeah, I think this summer, hopefully a lot of outdoor live music will be happening.
4: Yeah, I guess it's hard to predict what it would look like. Personally, my expectations are just completely open. So it's starting off at zero. If it never changes, I won't be surprised. If we're let out completely open and everyone's vaccinated, I also won't be surprised. So it really is, you know, we're in this stage where, you know, it would be foolish to try to make any predictions and try to hold up to that. But as far as like how I would go about navigating it, anything that would slightly resemble pre-COVID life, I think would be some sort of insurmountable feeling for me, at least. I was joking with some friends that having a, a rude waiter or waitress, you know, wait my table, with nobody there and the food's terrible, I, w- I would still enjoy that. <laughs> as long as, like, I don't have the anxiety of, of being in a pandemic. And if we ever get there, you know, I mean, we'll eventually will. But right now, it's just a waiting game for everybody.
0: And, like, kind of following up to that, um, so my question would be, like, do you think the ambience of, like, a show, would it be the same
3: as, like, before? Not, I... Trying to visualize that, I'm like, I I think everybody's still going to be anxious, you know, capacity is probably going to be limited. So, you know, I I think there will will still be the energy of a show. Um, I think it'll be harder to achieve, um, especially for the artists performing, because they really end up vibing off of the crowd. And if the crowd is half full, or even, you know, a quarter full, that can really affect the feeling in the room. So I think it's going to be a while before people, you know, before that really comes back.
4: I I think if we get to a place where we feel safe without masks and we, you know, trust, you know, the venue or or the city that we're in and and we feel like every citizen and resident did their part. Like, I think we could get over that feeling rather quickly. We could you could see videos right now of other places are kind of over that hump in certain parts of Asia and New Zealand. And it looks like nothing has changed. Like they just had a little blip in their moment where they had to lock down for a little bit, but they got back into it really quickly. I think, I mean, our muscle memory of being not in lockdown is far greater than being in it. And so, I mean, we'll carry a little trauma of of being in lockdown, but for right when we realize that we aren't there anymore and we're past that hump, I think our old mind will tap into that energy and we'll be back.
3: Yeah, and I mean, the you know, the reported numbers are really key in feeling that safety, I think. So just watching the data, you know, and trust trusting it. I mean, I I feel like some people have had issues trusting it, which we haven't. And so I kind
0: of like to start wrapping this up, I guess. So you know, what is the importance of being an independent and Chicago based record label?
3: That's a tough question. I don't, I don't know if we can answer to our importance or the importance of being, you know, independent. I think.
4: I guess there is an important role to being, you know, having every kind of level uh, of a player in the game. In the independent level, we are going to be the ones that take more risk. Obviously, we're going to be trying to hit home runs. And we're going to have a different relationship with the bands, you know, a major label, they're going to have a stable of horses, but we're going to have two or three. And those are going to be the ones that we really have to put our energy into. And so the relationship automatically changes Mm -hmm. with that, you know, we're going to have to really watch out for, you know, the, the bands that we ride for. And I think, you know, that probably is what the relationship for a lot of artists and bands are for either with us or other independent labels across Chicago or, a, or any other city. Um, there's a different level of connection for sure that you would get. I don't know if it's important of itself, but in the grand macro view, you need that to balance out the entire industry, I think.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to um, bridge the gap between you know mid-level and large labels and just providing extra support you know, I, I think is what we're really here for and encouragement and kind of uh, a cheerleading team. Like, we believe in you. <laughs> uh, we don't have all the money in the world, but we love your music. <laughs> we'll put what we can behind it. So I think, yeah, and, and having personal relationships is, I think, is the most important.
4: Yeah, I guess from like a, a macro sense You could say, like, uh, independent to smaller level independent labels would be uh, the middle class, I guess you could say, of a music industry. And you need one of those, you need a middle class for a strong economy, essentially, or any strong workforce. Um, It is that bridge between, you know, nothing to everything. And without those, like, middle grounds, it's, you know, it will be noticeable. There is a noticeable effect.
3: Yeah, I think it makes, you know, artists who are starting out I mean I think this is my hope that you know it makes it seem like it's not so far away you know making music your career and that there are levels to it that that you can reach and you don't have to like you know reach for uh the biggest label in the U.S. if you know you're gonna make it anywhere like you can you can still do well
4: yeah diana diana and i have talked before like we don't expect bands to be on our roster forever and if they ever get big enough that columbia or sony is knocking on their door then then we did our job basically Mm -hmm. you know
3: yeah yeah I i feel like you know our mission and our purpose is to launch them onto the next thing you know like Big labels try to own you. <laughs> try right. to um, yeah. control everything.
4: We try to get rid of you. It's like <laughs> it's like college. Like if you've been with us for too long, you know, then uh, we didn't do our job. <laughs>
0: yeah. And so, kind of for that, to end this, I guess this conversation would be like um, for people who like who would like to support artists. Like, where can they find information about
3: them? I don't, what's the radio protocol here? Like, what can we say and not say <laughs> as far as advertising? <laughs> I'll find that out. I'll cut it out if it's not. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, um, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, we have all of our shop links and um, streaming links. So if you mm-hmm. want to go listen to music, we've got a, a Spotify playlist that has all of the current artists that are or the releases that we've done so it's real easy to find i'll try to
4: say it without plugging anything if a basic internet search you will be able to find field trip you will be able to see our website you will see us on all the major (laughs) streaming platforms um and all of the e-commerce platforms as well and all our bands are also searchable through the internet
3: yeah (laughs) oh so our website is www.feeltrip.co spelled f-e-e-l-t-r-i-p dot c-o
0: awesome so is there anything else you guys want to say
3: or <laughs> support support new music i think that it's really important to remember that there's new music coming out all the time you know and it, it can seem really overwhelming but these are, you know, the people that are trying to make it that, you know, have new contemporary things to say. And, you know, that's not to say ignore history, you know, just have a well-rounded database. Yeah. Because there there's so much good music out there, but you know, we're we're really big fans of new music and, and finding finding new stuff.
4: Yeah. Support the arts, put out your own music. Put out your own art if you could do it yourself at least try do everything yourself first and yeah be nice to everybody have friends and be safe <laughs> pretty simple
0: <laughs> okay um i think this kind of concludes the interview um cool. so thank you so much um and we're back. Um, that was a great interview with David and Diana. And I definitely did learn a lot about how basically kind of the music industry is being affected by COVID or just being on lockdown. And definitely just learned a lot how how intricate um the effects of COVID-19 has have been. And definitely just seeing the progression of, you know, one year in lockdown. But don't forget the whole meaning of the show. We're going to be interviewing more people. And it's also called Humans in the music scene, so so be ready for more awesome interviews, and that kind of concludes the end of this half hour. So remember, you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago one hundred five point five FM Urban Radio, and I am your host Melissa, and we'll be right back.
5: La, la lune est libre, je crois. Qu'il rayonne Lune and L- You're listening to WLPN-LP, Lumpin' Radio, 105.5 FM, and this is What's Up. Today at What's Up, we have the honor of chatting with Alejandro Ayala, radio host of QC on Lumpin' Radio, in addition to participating in a series of musical chapters with Worldwide FM. Welcome to What's Up, Alex.
6: Hey, how are you doing? Peace to everybody.
5: How uh, how have you been after a year of quarantine, Uh, mentally, physically, emotionally?
6: Four hundred plus days of shelter in place. I think my spirits are still strong. I'm lucky to still have good health, but I'm definitely missing people. I'm definitely missing music, man, and just like simple little things like giving a friend a hug, you know. But other than that, my my spirits are my my spirits are strong.
5: Is there anything that you've uh, you've done new during this time of quarantine?
6: Yeah. So actually, during the quarantine, I started the uh, the show you mentioned, uh, QC Radio on Worldwide FM, which is a uh, online radio station uh, out in London. Unfortunately, I lost I lost uh, some of my jobs because of the pandemic, but also because of the pandemic, I was able to find part time work with After School Matters. Uh, so I started working with young people, and uh, we. I'm in my third semester with them now, and we are uh, producing online events.
5: Uh, could you could you uh, share like a, a memorable story from from the After School Matters experience so far?
6: It's you know what it's been. Um, <clears throat> I've been really lucky to meet a lot of amazing young people. Uh, so I guess my favorite memories would be just uh, working. You know, working and getting to know and to see how professional a lot of young people in the city of Chicago are already. A lot of the young people that I've had the pleasure of working with already come with a certain measure of experience, practical experience uh, in putting events together. And I've been inspired by their spirits and kind of like their willingness to adapt to everything that's changing around them. It's been a great joy to see how young people, um, you know, are hanging tough and uh, rolling with the punches and um, able to adapt so easily, much more easy than a lot of adults I know. So I take a lot of inspiration from them. So I would say my favorite memories are the time I get to spend with uh, with the participants of the program.
5: What are some ways you had to adapt in terms of um, event planning or the process?
6: Well, as you know, all the uh, venues in the city uh, shut down because of uh, the pandemic. People aren't allowed to uh, gather inside. So being able to book DJs or to put together shows that would happen inside a space or a venue has completely gone away. So... We've had to become creative, right, as a city in order to keep the music going. So last summer, you know, a lot of people adapted and were able to do, you know, shows outside. The boulevards became a place for DJs to play and for people to safely gather. Some parks became stages. For example, my friends uh, Isaiah Collier and uh, Angel We started a weekly series uh, at the Perennial Gardens in uh, Jackson Park. So people, you know, people got creative, and I was fortunate enough to uh, be able to produce and help produce a couple of events that occurred outside. So basically, we had to figure out how to record outside, how to present outside, and then most importantly, how to keep everyone safe.
5: How have you seen the quarantine affect artists
6: Well, man, the, uh, that, you know, being able to play shows, um, to sell merchandise, you know, to travel and to do that, you know, night after night is gone for them. So it's like their whole livelihood has, uh, essentially vanished. You know, when people are doing stuff online, it's not like you have like a, a set ticket price, you know, and, uh, or whatever the site is, isn't paying you outright to play. Uh, A lot of people are playing for like tips, you know, like they have like PayPal's and Venmo's going on, but it doesn't guarantee any sort of money for people. So it's their money has been, you know, cut off. So it's, it's actually from what I've seen, it's, it's been pretty scary for artists uh, in terms of money and, you know, and then the type of the way that they, uh, report their income to the government, for example, um, makes it so that they kind of didn't qualify for help in the same, in the same way that, you know, people that have office jobs or nine to fives or part times, um, got help right at the beginning. So they, you know, when we started getting our first, like, our checks from the government at the beginning, they were behind us about three months in some cases or more, and it was even hairy then. So, man, it's been, I know I know a lot of artists you know started selling gear and like started selling records and started selling like stuff just to make just to make it you know. Um, so that's like the number one thing that I've seen like uh, in a negative way affect artists. Uh, The pandemic has affected some artists in a positive way, you know, because they're not traveling, because they're not going out all the time, um, they have more time to create at, at home. So I imagine, you know, in the next year or so, we're gonna have like a surplus of music, which is beautiful, you know? So the pandemic has affected artists in a both negative and positive way, I'd say.
5: Uh, we've seen a pretty big influx of people getting vaccinated and uh, and Chica- the city of Chicago making uh, new guidelines to to um, public events. Where, where do you see the future of public events? And what do you think are some of the challenges we'll face?
6: Well, I mean, uh, you know, I look to all the... Um, Respected and trustworthy news sources, I I can I can find. Um, we have some pretty good ones here on Lumpen, uh, but I you know I, I check WBEZ, NPR, um, Reuters, AP News, the CDC, and kind of uh, just keep my eyes on you know the new uh, new precautions or new findings. Um, as the CDC rolls them out, and you know, I trust in—I in, trust in that. Um, it's my understanding that we have to reach a set, a certain threshold, a certain percentage before uh, what they call herd immunity kicks in. Um, so, man, I really don't think we'll be able to gather inside as quickly as everybody thinks and i think just out of respect and and consideration for other people's health i don't think we should rush rush that either i think currently the the main concern is to get vaccinated like you said we need to reach that percentage um you know as quickly and as safely as we can and then we can start talking about like how to open back up you know um because if people aren't safe or healthy or alive, even like what it shows matter. <laughs> yeah. We got to look out for each other first. You know, we got to take care of each other and we got to, you know, make sure everybody's healthy um, before we even like start considering like, you know opening back up. We have the experience already, unfortunately of going through this last summer. So we know what we have to do to meet safely and do shows outside safely. Um, so I, I would, I mean, in in my mind, I would say we should focus on that for this summer. See where we're at in the fall, and then I think we'll be in a better spot in 2022. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I really don't have any sort of intention of uh, putting anything together indoors for people. I know it's opened up right now, but also, you know, restaurants and bars opened up, what, like four weeks ago? And it's no coincidence that the numbers have shot up. So, I think we just need to be safer, you know, uh, a little bit more cautious. Um, it, it, it'll it be beautiful when we are able to get back in, indoors together, though, I'll tell you that.
5: When you uh when you mentioned you were doing uh, weekly shows at the Perennial Gardens, uh, what, what were some things you were taking into consideration, like uh, health wise, I guess.
6: So that was those were uh, again that was uh, a, an event put together by uh, Isaiah Collier, Angel Bat Dawid, Kennedy Banks, Julian Otis, uh, Jeremy Warren. Um, they they held it weekly, so they started in July. Um, and they just asked people to come and keep their masks on. And, you know, if people came and had a beverage with them, um, I noticed people would take their mask off, take a sip and then cover their face right back up. The perennial garden is really wide and like in all directions. It's a big, it's almost like a big oval shape. So there was plenty of space for people to, uh, you know, stay separate from one another. Uh, people came with lawn chairs. People came with picnic blankets. And every everybody was spaced out really, really well. I always felt safe there. Um, it's open air. It's by the lake. So, you know, there's a lot of air circulating. Um, and, you know, as we learned, learned from the protests last summer, you know, you could, you could be in a crowd of 20,000 people and as long as everybody's masked up, you're, you're safe. The numbers didn't jump after all the protests. You noticed numbers jumping when people were going back into restaurants, uh, when people were meeting together in mass without masks, you noticed numbers jumping up. So the lessons we learned last summer were you can meet with people in great numbers outdoors as long as you're masked up. So we just kept that in mind. They kept that in mind. And, um, you know, thankfully nobody got sick at any of those events.
5: That's amazing.
6: Yeah. No, I mean, we, you know, when when I did do the one event with them, you know, I did try to drive the point home that the musicians are coming out not knowing how much money they're going to make but they're coming out and they're providing us with nourishment, they're providing us with music. And after, at that point it was like, we were what, five months being in our own homes, not experiencing the energy exchange between a musician and an audience. So when I first heard it, man, I felt so good hearing the music just sitting in silence and listening to musicians play and receiving that energy energy from them was true nourishment so what i tried to ask people when they came out to the event i produced with them was to consider how special that is what a gift that is and i asked them to tre- you know to treasure our city's talent because they're giving us a gift and we need to respect them and their health in exchange for what they're giving us. So, yeah, man, just gotta keep, you know, like I said earlier, we gotta look out for each other.
5: So besides um, your show, uh, QC, uh, what else have you been working on or doing?
6: Um, I got into... Uh, I think everybody's kind of devolved, like, a weird thing during pandemic. Uh, my weird thing has been, like, I've become, like, a YouTube person. Like, I've been watching YouTube like nonstop. My mind gets um, totally, like, I can't stop thinking about, like, cameras and film and, like, photography. But it's, like, become, like, a major thing in my life. I've bought, since the pandemic started, I've got, uh, what? three or four new cameras <laughs> so it's uh, you know kind of out of control but I you know I love I can't wait to like go out and shoot um I've luckily I've been planning with the city of Chicago uh to present a show on August 23rd so the first day of Virgo season uh at Millennium Park um so I'm excited to be working on that the city has some pretty cool plans for doing shows at Millennium Park uh they're going to do like an RSVP system And they're like cutting like the amount of people that could be there at once pretty sharply, but it'll still be a lot of uh people that could be there. Um so I'm I'm very excited about having an opportunity to to put together a show at such a beautiful location. Um But I guess that's been about it, man. Uh just the radio show, uh, you know, teaching. Um Thinking about cameras. That's it. (laughs) Eating.
5: What have you been eating?
6: Uh, Man, that's been a lot. That's, we can, that's the whole other show, man. We got, I just digging through the internet for cool recipes and just trying stuff out. Uh, Amazingly though, I think the thing I've eaten the most of during uh, the pandemic is pizza. We've been treating ourselves once a week to be able to eat somewhere, you know, just to like save on money, like we've uh, been cooking, but we allow ourselves to go out to eat once a week, and typically we, we choose pizza.
5: You ever try cooking pizza?
6: No, no, I don't trust our oven to do this. It's an old building.
5: Hey, how'd you get started at Lumpen Radio?
6: Um, so before the radio station started, um, they uh, they had a call for shows uh ed edmar and uh co prosperity sphere did a a yearly art exhibit called version fest and one particular version fest uh they they had a call for people that wanted to do radio shows um and they asked for submissions uh, to be to have their mix played at version fest and they asked for demos so i submitted i submitted a demo at the time, I had a show on uh, University of Chicago radio WHPK, kind of legendary station here in the Chicago area, especially for hip hop and jazz. Um, I had a show on that and uh, I really wanted to expand and like do my own sort of thing because I joined, uh, the show I joined was called Chicago is the World. A long, it's a long running show, um, but it had a very specific focus and i kind of wanted to step away step out of all that and um do sort of the ideas i had in mind so when lumpin or it wasn't called lumpin then when uh when version fest had that uh call i i, I ran for it man i did it and then uh got accepted thankfully shouts to logan um and then lumpin started uh lumpin started a co pro in the infinity room it was just on a a picnic table. It was Logan, two tra- two turntables, his computer, and a mixer, and it was uh, just on like a like a plastic table. So we were online uh, only for I think it was a, a little over a year, and then the you know Lumpen got their antenna, all their licenses, and uh, then we went on air. So it's been it's been a fun fun ride with with that station.
5: When working uh, with Worldwide FM or uh, collaborating more, um, what's a memorable moment you could share?
6: Man, Worldwide is—it's such an honor to uh, be able to present the city of Chicago to people in a city that I admire and adore. I love everything about London. Uh, I love that city. I mean, they're a very important city for music. Um, They're I put them on par with Chicago in terms of you know innovation, in terms of having a savvy uh, audience. All the people that go out to parties um, are really you know deep into music. Uh, you could you know we did an event out out in uh, London, and it was what two a uh, one one cello, one violin and one harp. The, that was a trio. Uh, you don't think a crowd, you can't, I don't know if you can, but I have a hard time picturing like a crowd being like all into something like that, like swaying and bobbing their heads and just like being all into something like that. But man, they were, their their audiences are incredible. So, you know, when I got uh, the chance to present what we're doing in Chicago to such a beautiful city like London, you know, I was, ecstatic to do it, um, you know, what, what an incredible opportunity, um, and worldwide, you know, you know, they just have like world-class DJs and, uh, musicians, uh, sharing music on there all the time. So it's, it's a, it's a great radio station and it's owned by, you know, someone I say is probably the most important DJ on our little blue planet, uh, Giles Peterson. Um, so, you know, we wanted to pull out all the stops and people are like really excited, uh, to present on that, on that platform. So I was uh, lucky enough to be able to link with, uh, Dorian's, which is a jazz club here in the city. Um, since they've been shut down, you know, um, they haven't done anything with their space and the owners and the person that book shows there really wanted, um, to be able to do creative things and really wanted to, like, uh, be able to offer things to musicians and DJs during the pandemic. So they allowed us to go in there, use their stage, use their soundboard, record. And I've been able to, thankfully, been able to um, put together live music, record live music uh, for the radio show on, on Worldwide. So some of my favorite memories were recording live music for Worldwide because, I mean, I had some of my favorite bands playing, right? And it's just me in the audience. <laughs> so, like, I, I felt uh, ashamed once because I was like, wow, this is so incredible. This is so cool. And I'm the only one here listening to it, you know? <laughs> I felt, like, a little bit of shame and then, like, a whole bunch of, like, you know like fanboy um so those you know those are my definitely my favorite memories you know working with um sean and sean and um joe brill when we were recording people
5: shouts out to sean and joe yep um i have a question it's kind of out of left field here your dj moniker uh king hippo is that a reference to punch out
6: it is. It is. Uh, I lived in. Uh, I lived in Japan for years, and uh, that's actually where I started, like seriously collecting records, and uh, where I first started putting events together, and where I first DJ. Um, so the Japanese people, you know, uh, I'm a little bit bigger than a lot of Japanese people. Uh, so. Some of my friends were kind of smarty pants over there. And uh, I guess my look kind of reminded them, maybe my big mouth and my stomach reminded them of uh, King Hippo. So that's where I got the name. Uh, You know, I asked if I could just use my name for the party, Alejandro Ayala. But they didn't think it was that exciting. So King Hippo it was and King Hippo it stuck.
5: Uh, you set out some records before we started this. Um, could, would you mind sharing what what they are?
6: Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I took these down because uh, recently I had the... Uh, I was able to DJ for the first time in over a year. Um, so I took these down to take with me. But I got um, from London, actually. It's uh, an album called uh, Beachos. Raúl Monsalve y los Forajidos. Por, ja, I don't know what that means. Um, but beautiful artwork. I'm told that's Raúl there. Very, very great album. On uh, Albindo Lindo Records. Uh, we got... Another one from London, I believe. But the music is Brazilian. Oh, this music, by the way, is Venezuelan. Venezuela. Um, This stuff is Brazilian. New Brazilian music. Uh, Band is Kiko Nucci. And it's on a label called Mais Um. This is... uh, all these are uh, some of my favorite albums that came out in 2020. Um, and then of course, fra- this album's called Couldn't Wait to Tell You by Liv, um, who's been on QC radio. Actually, the guys that uh, did the Olindo records, Olindo has been on QC, in, on Lumpin, and Liv has been on QC on Lumpin as well. She was actually in-studio in, uh, guest. Uh, she, this is her first uh, solo album, double LP,
5: super cool. Thanks for sharing. Kind of, it kind of goes into this next question here. Um, what's a song or album that has saved you during 2020?
6: Uh, I guess the song I listen to the most uh, it's in I have it over uh, my 45 I have a another record case uh, it's got 45s on it uh, Japanese record um, the song is called Pliocene. I don't I'm not sure what you know it's the songs in Japanese I'm not sure what they're saying but um I don't know something about it just like stuck stuck with me and i you know probably the song i listened to the most last year um very beautiful song it's a cover by uh, a very famous japanese artist um but a friend of mine uh, helped produce the song the cover and i don't know very very beautiful song uh album wise what did I listen to the most in 2020? Probably, I mean, Kiko, the Kiko Dinucci record was definitely one I listened to a lot. The Live record is one I listened to a lot. The Beatles I listened to a lot. But probably a lot of cuts off of Kiko Dinucci was like a, like a big one for me. But I mean, for my soul, I'd say actually the uh, the live sessions at Perennial Gardens, they were called the, the Royal Sessions. I would say those were like the ones that really saved me. Like just having live music playing in front of you again, man. That was like, that saved me.
5: Um, is there, is there anything else you'd like to add to the conversation?
6: No, I mean, Hey, I'm proud. I'm proud of, uh, all young people. Uh, you, like I said earlier, the resilience that you're showing is inspiring, but I got to tell you, If you don't think adults are doing stuff the right way, I want you to take matters into your own hands and I want you guys to organize and I want you guys to take care of business for us. You know, I'm here to help. I know a lot of other adults are here to help. We'll support you. You know, if if what you're doing comes from the heart and it's just and you're you're standing with pride and dignity, you know, I know a ton of adults that are here to help. That's all organize and change the world.
5: Well, I'd like to thank you, Alejandro Ayala, or King Hippo, uh, for coming on the show. Um, and thank you for being a, a compassionate human being uh, in your field. And uh, and thank you for raising the, the standards that, that I have set on future event planners that I've come across. <laughs> this is uh, WLPNLP. Uh, Lumpin' Radio 105.5 FM. Thanks for listening. Peace. Hello,
1: everybody, and we are back. You're listening to Lumpin' Radio on 105.5 FM, WLPN LP Chicago. And this is What's Up, Humans in the Music Scene. My name is Emmanuel, and I'll be hosting this segment. And I am here with a very special guest. Hello, could you please tell me your name?
7: My name is David Chavez.
1: Hi David, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you coming on our show, what's up, and speaking with the youth. And just a bit on you, I know that you've worked in the industry for over 15 years. You're a music festival curator, event organizer, founder, and artistic director at Sound Culture, a DJ, music producer, and member of the Future Roots crew. That's so astounding and just so much talent. Aside from that, is there anything else that you do?
7: So with Future Roots, I actually, I, I co-run a record label and technically now I am a published, <laughs> I'm a published writer. I have a piece in the quarantine times and then another piece coming out in contratiempo uh, sometime soon. So, you know, amateur writer, I guess. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. That's super exciting. How does it feel to work on these, in these new, I guess, mediums or do the, try these new things?
7: You know, I think sometimes it can be scary because it's new territory, and um, in particular with, like, the writing stuff, I, you know, I've never, I've always been told I've, I was a good writer, and I, but I've never really written anything, let's say, for, like, anyone to read besides, you know, uh, in school. And so, you know, knowing that I'm not a typical writer is scary for me because I don't know how I fare compared to someone else who's been doing it for a while But hopefully I have, you know, something important to say and I have, you know, an authentic voice to say it in. And I feel like that's kind of been my philosophy with uh, everything I do, right? Music and just all of my endeavors are just always about having something to say and not trying to be anything else or anyone else but myself and coming at things with my own perspective and my own set of experiences. So I think that is... Sort of grounds me a little bit and sort of gets gives me the courage to sort of try these new things and take those those risks
1: for sure and moving a little bit into more music could you describe to me a little bit about what your average work day looked like pre-covid so around january or february of 2020
7: yeah so like february of 2020 i was probably really in the thick of finalizing my My season for the city of Chicago, I work for the department of cultural affairs and special events, and I curate the millennium park music series and the house music festival, and I co-curate the Chicago world music festival. And I work with other colleagues on other projects like professional development, workshops and conferences and things like that. And so I was probably finalizing a lot of my bookings for the year around that time, going into the office every day, probably writing contracts you know sending sending artists their offers submitting paperwork for deposits things like that collecting marketing assets from artists for our press releases yeah having meetings with partners and finalizing details on programs or conferences things like that february is is a pretty busy time for for me typically
1: and as artistic director and a festival curator for the city of Chicago, how have you been able to open up conversations and bring forward the music industry in
7: the city? So when I when I first started with the Cultural Center with d I actually started by opening up the first music office of the city. So it was a music office that was to be a liaison between city government, and the music industry at large in Chicago. So it was developing relationships with music venues and recording studios, um, record labels, festival organizers, promoters, artists, you know, variety of people. So part of that was really trying to figure out how the city could be more of service to the music industry, you know, giving them information about what things we had that they could benefit from, like our grants program, for example. For a long time, we were having a hard time getting musicians and musical artists to apply for our individual artist grants program, because I think they didn't understand that they actually qualified, that this wasn't just for visual artists, but for any kind of artist, right? And so we intentionally put together a couple of information sessions about the grant where we invited musicians and we had them hosted at music venues, just to sort of like, you know, get get the industry familiar with the fact that they can get money from the city for their project, for even like recording an album, right? For paying for studio time or pressing, you know, like vinyl or paying for the artwork or things like that, right, and, and several people actually applied and, and got out, you know, or had their albums paid for by the city of Chicago. And so things like that were what I was working on. A lot of professional development, also in helping to provide emerging artists in the city. Things around, you know, licensing and songwriting, publishing, marketing, you know, we had a series of workshops that had to do with the business of being an artist, a music artist. And so, you know, really providing that kind of information for free for people to connect with and learn from uh, was a good way for me to sort of, you know, help the industry you know after that i moved into programming and so that was where i saw more of a platform to to showcase artists in the city maybe that didn't get the kind of commercial recognition that other artists were getting being able to put a good chicago artist in front of a touring artist at millennium park for example is is a good way to get them sort of some exposure right and a new audience locally things like that you know some of the commissions that we've done is you know talking to artists about you know what is their dream project what have they've always wanted to do you know with their with their musical career in terms of like making a statement or creating a piece of work that isn't so much bound by like commercial success but just artistic sort of vision and then um giving them the funds to actually do that work and present it on one of our stages and so that's been really rewarding for me because I get to see it's not a creative thing for me as, you know, as an artist myself to do something, but to provide like the opportunity to an artist to fulfill that, that vision for themselves, I think is is something that's very rewarding to me as well.
1: And what would you say is the importance for you of being able to provide these platforms for local artists?
7: You know, I've always come from a nonprofit community organizing sort of background. You know, the kind of art that I make and that I like isn't so much commercial. And I think a lot of the industry tends to be at the will of commercialism, right? You know, it's about how many albums you have, how many records you've sold, how many fans you have. Even if you're not a good artist, it almost becomes more about the buzz of you as an artist than your work. And there's too many platforms in the city that operate, you know, with that in mind, right? They wanna know how many people you can bring to an event. Right. How many fans you have, even if your work isn't amazing. Right. And, and so, like, I think what I consider what we do is, you know, from a civic standpoint is to provide this platform to present good art to people for free, to have access to good art, regardless of the commercial success of the artist or of their latest recording right, or project. And I think that's important because then we're really weighing the value of the artist on quality of their work, not so much on the quantity of their commercial success. And so I think that there's a big difference there. It means that we have the ability to bring people to a stage that wouldn't normally have a chance to get to a stage in any other instance, right in Chicago. It means that the artist can gain the experience of performing in a professional setting like a city event where they may not have that otherwise, where they get to perform in front of an audience that's not their own audience that might help inform them on how to better present themselves as an artist or win over an audience, you know, like, and gain new fans. Like, you know, it's, it's a very altruistic way of programming that isn't bound by marketing or buzz or capitalism. It's different. It's, it's a different way of, of doing that. And I think it's important that the city have this sort of perspective and can provide these opportunities for artists. Because otherwise I'm just afraid to think of what would happen really. You know, you would only then hear about the people that are good at marketing themselves, the people that are only good at making friends or who are maybe like extroverts, right? And like are good networkers, but you may never hear of like this genius artist or this artist that has something really important to say, Yeah.
1: And do you remember the last musical event that you attended before quarantine came?
7: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was at the hideout. And we went to see the tropical futurism group Gombo Chimbita on a Friday, I think. And they closed right after that. And then shortly after that, the whole city closed. Um, and that was the last show I went to. And it was almost as if we knew that things were going to Be in a pause so everybody was like being cautious around each other, but also like almost like, you know, like hugging each other and saying, you know, let's uh, we're going to get through this and you know we'll see you soon, you know, but it was almost like a despedida to some degree for a lot of people. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a great show, you know, and it was a special night because I I remember it vividly. Um, It's the last, you know, the last real concert that I went to.
1: And how would you say that the music industry has been hit and most impacted by the pandemic?
7: I mean, it's really been decimated, right? Like, you know, the whole industry really, not the whole industry, but a large portion of it really is based on live events. You know, it's based on gathering. It's based on artists who are performing. They make money on tours. They make money in selling merchandise at on tours, at shows you know maybe they make money on records too but you know most of it is is through touring promoters music venues festivals i mean their business model is to gather people for concerts they sell tickets they sell drinks you know they sell other things merchandise as well i think people being quarantined also has has prevented bands from to some degree like practicing together or recording together you know some people have had to because of the loss of income have had to move back to like their parents' houses or have moved with other friends. And so when your income disappears like that, it's hard to bounce back, you know, and in, in particular, you think about a lot of working artists also have other part-time jobs, right? Like they work as in retail or they work as uh, in restaurants, you know, as they work in other things that require gathering or require entertain, you know, That's that's entertainment or Food and beverage based, and so those things also were affected. So it's kind of like a double whammy, right? I know, I know someone that they were a DJ and worked at restaurants, and that's how they made their living. And both of those income streams completely disappeared. Yeah, it's just been bad all around for everyone. I think benefited from it has been like the streaming services,
1: moving into digital, like this Instagram, TikTok. Now it's like this new part of the music industry that's blowing up in this new way. And what do you think about that moving into this new age of how music is being listened to and digested?
7: I think, you know, it's never going to take the place of of live in-person performance and events, but I think it has opened a new avenue for artists and events, venues and festivals to connect with a broader audience. I think the digital stuff maybe isn't going to go away so easily. Like we're still going to see things being streamed, but live events that are being streamed. We're still going to see people doing things online as performances perhaps because also the the number of, of things where people can perform at is not going to come back so robustly as it was before the pandemic, right? It's going to be a slow return. I mean, venues again are like going to be the last to open. They're the first close and the last to open. Festivals are once a year. So I think you're still going to see that happening. I've seen a lot of things online where there's concerts that you buy a ticket to and watch a show online. I think that might go away to some degree. Also, like, you know, it's seasonal, right? So we're coming into summer, at least in Chicago, right? We're coming into summer where there's going to be a lot more things to do outdoors. Even if it's not going to concerts, it's, it's meeting with friends at a park or at a restaurant or boarding activities, things like that. There's going to be a lot of competition already for attention. And so I don't know that we'll see a lot of things online but from like individual artists doing things. But I think that the live streaming and the rebroadcast aspect of what we've seen is is going to remain to a large degree.
1: And Chicago is, you know, a city well known for its diversity and cultures, musical styles, bringing it that experience live in person and bringing it into the nightlife. How do you think that's going to look coming back? And if so, under what regulations?
7: You know, as far as regulations, I think they're going to apply to everyone, right? It doesn't matter what kind of event it is. People are going to find ways to gather regardless. We've seen it this past summer, even like, I mean, I've seen things happening in parks where obviously they shouldn't have been happening, but they happened, right? People are having picnics, you know, with like more than a jukebox, you know, more than like a boombox. You know, they have speakers out and, you know, they're going to make it happen. I, I don't know. Culturally, you know, I hope that more cultural activity... Happens again, like it used to in the city. You know, I think it's important for like us to continue doing the World Music Festival, and even if it's a few concerts, I think that that cultural connection is important for people. Yeah, I think it's going to be slow. You know, right now, you know, the city is in phase four, which I think the city guidelines only allow gatherings of a hundred people outdoors, and I think those are technically supposed to be seated gatherings. If they're following the restaurant guideline they've laid out for restaurants for outdoor seating. I know that the governor just recently was announcing, you know, his bridge sort of concept of a certain percentage of people need to be vaccinated before capacities open up, but it's hard to say if large scale events can happen this year. People are planning them, they're hoping that it's going to happen and, you know, street festivals are submitting for the permission to do a street festival in the city, but how they're going to manage COVID mitigation and public health is a whole nother thing. I don't know how is like a, like a Lollapalooza or something going to maintain social distancing for people? How are they going to police that? Or like people wearing masks? I don't know. You know, that's a lot of people, right. To try and police. And, and I've seen other places around the world do things like do rapid testing at the door before they let people inside. Sometimes you go, you can go to a restaurant or something and they'll take your temperature. Right. And that's one thing, but it doesn't. That doesn't necessarily tell you if you have COVID or not. It it just tells you that you have a fever, and you know they're not going to let you in if you have a fever. But yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tricky. I don't know how how it's going to happen. You know, I think that you'll see a lot of smaller scale things happening and and being permitted to happen. You know, I think that you're going to see people sort of doing more things more frequently at a smaller scale. Maybe more like more more series type things instead of festivals or. More picnics and more, you know, these kinds of things where they can spread out an audience, perhaps. September, it's the month right now that everyone's looking to to do their events in because they think it's the safest before they get into unpredictable weather in October. And so it could be that the city just blows up with activities in September or, you know, if no one gets a permit, then it doesn't happen that way. If we as, a, as Chicagoans can't get our act together in terms of, you know, getting vaccinated and following the rules, we're never going to get to that point, you know, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a race, right? It's like everything is so tied to like COVID and it's hard to plan anything. I, I don't, I'm having trouble and I work for the city. I can't imagine, you know, anyone else trying to figure this out.
1: And as a curator and organizer, you know, often inviting local talent, bringing even international artists to events of hundreds and thousands of people, what would you say are the most important next steps to activate the music industry again?
7: I mean, you know, we're going to be focusing all on local artists this year. Travel restrictions are still going to be an issue for international artists. While we're starting to get vaccinated at higher rates, other countries are not. You know, our neighbors in Canada are behind us. Our neighbors in Mexico are far behind us. There's a lot of talk about even just getting on planes and having these vaccination passports or cards proving that you've been vaccinated to travel or to get on cruise ships and things like that. You know, I think that the travel aspect of the industry is going to suffer for a while still. You know, I don't think that's going to really come back until next year. Maybe we'll see a a lot of people doing more things with local artists and national artists, you know, like to have somebody come in from New York or Miami or LA or any place regionally, right? Like Minnesota or these kinds of things, things that are drivable, things that are quick flights, domestic travel, I think is going to be more likely to happen, you know, but the way we think about it, the city is that our our local artists here still need support from us, right? They're still today not working. And so why would we bring in someone from New York and pay them thousands of dollars instead of someone from our own backyard? In particular, if we're not trying to attract a lot of people to events because we can't have a lot of people, it kind of defeats the purpose. So I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of local and regional and national things until next year, unfortunately. But it's about time that we pay more attention to our local artists anyway. You know, I think that this is forcing us to really like look in our own backyard and discover the hidden gems in the town that actually lives here the industry is all about in general like creating buzz and attracting an audience and presenting people that aren't from here that i think this will help sort of introduce them again to people who are here
1: and why do you think it's important to be inclusive with your musical selection you know highlighting local talent and marginalized communities
7: it's, it's about creating platforms and points of exposure for people, right? It's about like giving somebody who's in Chicago, who is a good artist, a shot, an opportunity to perform in front of people that may not know who they are. You know, it's important, I think, for us to be diverse and culturally diverse in what we present because, again, it, it's not seen often in the for-profit mainstream music industry, right? We're seeing a lot of Latinx, making waves in the, in the mainstream, but there's still artists that are part of sort of a mainstream machine, you know? And I think to present people who are culturally different from you on stage is important for a public because it gives people an experience with them. Even if they're not talking to them, it, it gives them a chance to sort of see this person and the art they present and connect with them in a way that as an audience, they may not connect with otherwise. Right. And helps, I think, to break down stereotypes and prejudice and things like that, you know, that is prevalent in our society. I always value those experiences when I have them myself as an audience member. When I travel to go to a showcase in Latin America somewhere or in Europe somewhere or in Asia or something like that, there's something that that I understand because of that experience about that culture, but also about myself. And it's important for people to, to have that in the city.
1: And what would you say is the most significant part of being in this industry and living through something that we never have before?
7: The most significant part? Wow. Um, I think it's seeing how... It's being a part of, of uh, an effort to bring people back to work, to bring artists back to work, right? It's, it's being part of, like, an operation that fully understands that we need to employ more artists you know we need to value their work more we need to create more opportunities for them to not only like perform but also to learn and to evolve as artists to be more successful in the industry to connect with each other but also to see that community of artists also help each other that is it's been beautiful to see that you know like artists helping one another get through things collaborating with each other recommending them for other things, you know? Like I was talking to somebody the other day who was offering me actually a, a DJ gig. And, you know, I was like, well, give it to somebody else who might need it more. I'm, I'm employed. I don't need the money, but somebody else probably does. You know, someone else is probably struggling to make ends meet. And um, I, I'm seeing that kind of thing being paid forward throughout the industry. Like Civil, for example, The Chicago Independent Venue League got a grant from the city to produce a fundraiser that ended up raising a lot of money to help support the staff of Chicago venues. They're the last to open, but yet they're still also very concerned about the people that work for them who are out of jobs. And so, like, to see that kind of thing is significant for me and special. You know, it, it kind of reaffirms to me why I'm in this community of the arts
1: and if you could go back to a year from now to that last musical event that you attended what would you tell yourself in that moment
7: um i would tell myself make sure that you tell everyone you know who's an artist how how much you value them and to please reach out if they need something what's whatever even just the phone even just to talk There's so many people that have gone through ups and downs. I mean, we all have, right? But can you imagine like, you know, being an artist that depends on what you eat and where you sleep depends on your work and being able to perform for people and that being taken away. Like, I can't imagine what that is like, right? And and see, I think I would tell myself to even to reach out more to people who I thought maybe are having a hard time or just to check in. I mean, I check in with people all the time, just, you know, let me know if you need something, how's it going? You know, like even a text message, Facebook message helps and goes a long way. People appreciate that, like, you know, someone is thinking of them. Um, They appreciate that you have a concern for their being and it's important. You know, it's, it's, it's part of being human. We should do that with everyone, not just artists, right? That's, that's how we should be as people artists out there, you know, I would say, hang tight, things are going to get better, you know, but also reflect on this time and and figure out in your own, you know, life and career, how to diversify your income as an artist, you know, not just performing, but what other thing, what other skills do you have that you could, you know, make of service to other people? To anyone who's an emerging artist, hopefully we don't see this kind of situation ever again. So don't be afraid to to jump in and and be an artist, you know. And after this is over, to everyone else, like make sure that you support artists as much as possible. If you have the means, buy their album on Bandcamp, you know, buy their digital music, whatever you can. Donate when they do a, their next Instagram concert; they need it. And we should we should try and and as much as possible really support our artists.
1: Thank you so much, David, for your time and for sharing with us today. We appreciate humans like you in our music scene of Chicago. And y'all heard him. Go support y'all local artists. That was David Chavez. And next, you'll hear another interview. So definitely stay tuned. I'm Emmanuel, and you're listening to Lumpin' Radio on 105.5 FM WLPN LP Chicago. And this is What's Up, Humans in the Music Scene.
2: What's up what's up welcome to what's up remember you're listening to wlpn lp lumpen radio 105.5 fm we have the honor of chatting with the great local artist who has taken her visual art to other parts of usa and mexico she has recently been collaborating with tropiteca a collective of djs and visual artists from the lgbtq community documenting all the events and life behind them Welcome Sandra to this space of What's Up. This interview is going to be in Spanish.
8: Hola, ¿qué tal? Muchísimas gracias por invitarme, Antonio. Y saludos a a todos que nos están escuchando. Y pues, pregúntame, ¿estoy lista.
2: Claro, pues, primeramente que nada, muchísimas gracias. Es un honor tenerte aquí en este programa. La verdad. Gracias. Y bueno, pues, sí, comencemos. Primero, cuéntanos. ¿Qué piensas de COVID-19? ¿Qué piensas de esta pandemia?
8: Pues mira, eh, primero, bueno, cuando recibí esta invitación de que me, me iban a entrevistar, primero pues me siento siempre como súper nerviosa, pero súper agradecida, ¿verdad?, por el espacio. Y eh, leyendo algunas de las preguntas, ¿verdad?, que, que, que me ibas a hacer, eh, me puse a pensar, luego luego fue como que soy inmigrante, ¿no? Entonces, cuando, pas- cuando estaba... O cuando pasó, o cuando nos pasó COVID, fue como que okay, ¿cuál es tu plan A, tu plan B, o tu plan C, no? Porque y mencioné que como inmigrante es una forma en que me ha acostumbrado a pensar, porque pues en cualquier momento la, tu vida puede cambiar, no? Entonces, este dije, wow, o sea, tengo que estar preparada. Eh, lo primero que pensé es mi familia. Tengo familia aquí en Estados Unidos y tengo familia también en México. Yo creo, que, yo creo que mi primer pensamiento fue eso, ¿no? Salud, ¿cómo le íbamos a hacer? Eh, y bueno, la cuestión de económica o profesión, pues bueno, ya si quieres lo vamos lo vamos hablando. Pero sí, sobre todo fue el impacto, fue como, ¿qué vamos a hacer en cuestión de salud?
2: Claro, ¿verdad? Y, y ¿recuerdas tu vida? ¿Cómo era antes uh, en tu vida y en, en tu trabajo, antes de que llegara la pandemia? cómo ¿Cómo recuerdas que era?
8: Pues sí, de hecho me lo mencionaste. Tropiteca es un dúo: es son es Jackie, Jacqueline Carmen eh, Guerrero y Natalie Murillo. Ellas, eh, eh, bueno, yo yo trabajaba con Santos, soy la fotógrafa de residente de su proyecto. Entonces, mmm, era cada viernes, sábado, domingo, por lo menos estaba haciendo foto fuera, ¿no? Eh, documentando tanto Tropiteca como otros eventos eh, alrededor de la ciudad. Y te digo, era un viernes, sábado y domingo, ¿no? De siempre estar afuera, siempre estar en lugares eh, en el club, ¿verdad? En el club, encerrados o en festivales. Y esa era mi vida, era, esa era mi vida constante, estar estar siempre alrededor de gente, ¿verdad? Siempre eh, algo algo que, un ritmo de vida que ahora parece imposible, ¿no? Mira.
2: Claro, Pero sí. con todo esto que está pasando, ¿verdad? Sí. Muchos muchos cambios que ha habido. ¿Cómo se ha afectado tu tu trabajo con esto, con la pandemia? ¿Qué es lo que más has visto que ha afectado muchísimo?
8: Pues definitivamente cero cero eventos, ¿no? Eh, Soy una persona que sí considera y que es muy consciente de de los privilegios que uno tiene cuando tiene un cuerpo... eh, eh, disponible para hacer muchas cosas, ¿no? Eh, entonces, cuando surgió esto, eh, cuando empezamos en, en, cuando empezamos con la pandemia, definitivamente yo suspendí todo lo que tenía previsto, ¿no? Eh, e inclusive también a mí me cancelaron pues, muchísimos eventos. Eh, tenía una residencia artística en Latitude, Chicago, eh, que iba a pasar en noviembre 20. Latitude, Chicago, bueno, es es una no for profit organization que se dedica bueno es fotografía específicamente entonces esa esa, esa residencia artística pues se canceló y no se canceló se reprogramó qué va a pasar este año de hecho en noviembre del 2021 pero eso fue una de las cosas una de las noticias que fue más como oh, you know, que porque sí lo estaba planeando con, con bastante esmero a uh, Te digo, todos mis eventos, eh, aparte de, de que soy fotógrafa, que verdad que me, me, lo, lo hago como arte, también hago fotografía de bodas y de 15 años, ¿verdad? Que se todo. Pues todo eso también se, se canceló. Todo eso se canceló y sí, nos dije, ay, pues el, el bolsillo se iba a ver lastimado, ¿no? Pero como te mencioné anteriormente, o sea, siendo inmigrante siempre estás como pensando en tus pues, Tienes un guardadito acá y le haces una, una chambita aquí y allá, ¿no? Entonces, era más o menos lo que estaba haciendo, haciendo un poquito de, de diseño también, que es lo que lo que puedo hacer. Y sobre todo, me empecé a ver que todo empezaba eh, a compartirse por video, ¿verdad? Empecé a observar que, que las clases inclusive, ¿no? Yo creo que a ti también te tocó, ¿no? Eh, las clases en línea los tutoriales, todo en línea, todo en línea. Entonces dije, ok, vamos tenemos que hacer algo con todo lo que tenemos de documentación de video, también de todos estos eventos, ¿no? Entonces me dediqué a, eh, a buscar programas en los que me pudiera integrar y uno de los programas que me, que me integré fue con fue la Universidad de Chicago y fue dentro de, se llama The Community Film Workshop of Chicago y produje un, un, un documental de cinco minutos ahí no hubo apoyo económico pero fue algo que me hizo no reunir todo mi trabajo y no sentir ese pues sí como esa como esa ansiedad de no estar haciendo o produciendo trabajo hice eso busqué un, un también un apoyo económico por el eh, por, los, por, los, por los parques de Chicago Chicago Park District y también me apoyaron para poder hacer un documental más largo aproximadamente 20 minutos lo pueden encontrar en YouTube y este y más o menos fue eso fue como el cambio no como de imagen eh, estática a you know, motion y pues eso fue lo que eso fue lo que hice
2: sí mucho mucho cambio verdad y cómo 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 le hiciste para adaptarte o sea fue dif, fue fácil se te hizo difícil cuéntanos
8: pues a mí siempre me gusta el, el video no sé si a ustedes les gusta el video porque hace mucho radio pero el video también es o sea apasionante pero es es apasionante pero cuesta un chorro de tiempo también un chorro de tiempo y tú sabes que igual también tienes que tener el equipo que esté chido verdad que tenga eh, buena memoria que tenga una buena tarjeta de, de video eh, y los programas no entonces pues sí lo primero que me tuve que ajustar es apostar a poner mis un poco de mis ahorros a actualizar mi, mi compu y a, 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 sí, a, a, a comprar los, los programas no y creo que esa fue un parte de, la, de, la, de las cuestiones que, en la que me tuve que adaptar eh, transiciónar de fotografía a vídeo y todo lo estoy haciendo eh, pero yo creo que fue, fue, fue eso una de las, de las cosas que me, que, que me costó un poquito más de tiempo
2: Oh, muy bien y hace hace ratito mencionaste sobre lo que ibas a eventos ibas a clubes tú recuerdas a el último evento que fuiste antes de que cerraran los clubes y los venues?
8: claro que me acuerdo lo tengo en la cabeza y lo pueden ver también porque fue el 7 de marzo era fue 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 la fue la fue una fiesta de tropiteca que se llevó a cabo en smart bar que es en el, en, en el norte el smart bar y Fue el 7 de marzo, fue para conmemorar a... Se, se, se hace una serie de, de eventos en todo marzo porque se conmemora bueno, el, el mes de la mujer y el mes de... Eh, eh, bueno, el, el, el aniversario de oh, para conmemorar a Daphne eh, Oram, que es una compositora de... Bueno, era una, una compositora de música electrónica. Entonces hacen una, una serie de eventos en marzo, ¿verdad? Y entonces Smart Bar hace esta serie de, 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 de eventos para celebrar non-binary no, eh, y, y, y mujeres en el en la música y entonces eh, esa fiesta eh, fue tropiteca fue por, por por parte de tropiteca y de hecho pueden ver estábamos tan, yo creo que estábamos tan 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 frustradas y tan 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 urgidas de ver o de salir que nos, nos dedicamos a editar ese video lo pueden ver también en YouTube en el canal de tropiteca está la última fiesta a la que fui y fotografié y documenté.
2: Muy bien para ir a verlo, ¿verdad? Uh-huh. Y qué, ¿Qué es lo que más extrañas de tu trabajo antes de la pandemia?
8: Yo creo que definitivamente lo que más extraño de la antes de la pandemia pues pues es como ese, ese esa interacción, ¿no? Esa interacción social definitivamente. Bailar, bailar en, en... Yo siempre bailo, ah ¿eh? Pero bailar en, en, en lugares eh, con, un, ¿no? con, un, con un sistema de sonido que sientes en el pecho, ¿verdad? Um, estar a un lado de otra persona bailando, este inclusive ahorita pensar hasta como tan cerca de una persona, hasta el sudor verdad de una persona que estás bailando es como quizás súper increíble, ¿no? Eh... Um, Obviamente extraño eso, pero eso está a un nivel muy, eh, digamos, muy simple, ¿no? Porque yo creo que eh, la pandemia nos ha, nos ha cambiado de muchas formas. Yo creo que habemos ha o hay personas que, no, que han perdido seres humanos, seres sus seres queridos, y yo creo que eso no se compara, ¿verdad? Con, con lo que uno pueda extrañar de, de, de tu vida, ¿no? De lo que hacías anteriormente. Pero
2: ya, es eso. Sí, claro. ¿Y, y cuál ha sido tu mayor obstáculo uh, como fotógrafa en estos tiempos de pandemia?
8: Uh, pues bueno, definitivamente afectó a mi ingreso económico. Eh, eso sí afectó. Digamos que en lo, en lo negativo, ¿no? Pero eh, un obstáculo, ¿cuál sería? Hmm, yo creo que... Yo creo que conocer a las personas en un, en, una, en un ambiente diferente, ¿no? Porque ahorita muchas de las personas que he tenido el gusto de conocer ha sido a través de, de la pantalla, ¿verdad? Ha sido a través vía video, video telefónica. Eh, eh, pues mi primer lenguaje es, mi primer idioma es español, entonces a veces eh, es más fácil interactuar en persona que en, que en, que en video, pero. Pero yo creo que bueno eso ha sido alguno de los de los eh, retos qué más sería pues obviamente que mi trabajo ha cambiado muchísimo verdad ah, yo creo que no ha sido un reto al contrario ha sido o un obstáculo al contrario lo veo como algo que me ha ayudado mucho en cómo percibir mi, mi trabajo actualmente es, es es más reflexión entre Eh, lazos familiares, ¿verdad? Familia que escoges o la familia que te toca. Eh, creo que he estado explorando más esos esos es, ese tema en específico.
2: Uh-huh. Y qué bien. Y pues en estos tiempos uno necesita inspiración y apoyo, ¿verdad? ¿Y cuál o quién ha sido tu mejor apoyo o inspiración a lo la largo de, de toda esta pandemia?
8: Pues definitivamente, eh, aquí lo había apuntado. Eh, definitivamente tengo... Eh, haber, haber trabajado con, con Tropiteca eh, Me ha llevado a diferentes situaciones O a diferentes lugares O a diferentes proyectos Tuvimos o tuve la oportunidad De tener una, una residencia artística Con Tropiteca eh, de, Durante todo el mes de enero En Miami eh, Hicimos trabajo eh, nuevo Que de hecho ya estuvo en exhibición En Roots and Culture Contemporary Art Center Eh, acaba de terminar la exhibición eh, eso fue una, un, un, uno de los eh, de los apoyos más grandes que, que he tenido definitivamente ha sido Tropiteca eh, también eh, trabajar con, con Reverse Garments que es eh, también es es, una, es un es un proyecto o una, una marca de, de de ropa verdad pero um, yo creo que y en general la comunidad artística, ¿verdad? Han sido de gran apoyo, pero definitivamente pues también mi familia, ¿no? Yo creo que sin mi familia no, no hubiera podido... y you no, know, también cada quien tiene sus... Cada quien tiene sus, sus, sus problemas y sus struggles, ¿no? Como a quién puede estar solo, a quién no puede estar solo, a quién consume sustancias y quién no consume sustancias, ¿verdad? Este, Que es también otro tema de lo que yo hablo en mi trabajo. Entonces... Ya, yeah, yo creo que mi familia, Tripiteca, eh, River Garments, eh, Chicago Park District, ¿verdad? Que sean, este, y, ¿pilla?
2: Sí, y bueno, como tú estabas diciendo, o sea, la, la gente reacciona diferente, ya, como en estos tiempos de pandemia, uh-huh. tienen diferentes reacciones, pero cuéntanos tú, ¿cómo has reaccionado mentalmente? ¿Y cómo esto se refleja en tu trabajo como fotógrafa?
8: Bueno, eh, mentalmente, ¿no? O sea, mentalmente sí ha tenido un impacto, uy, como, pues sí, como de, de reflexión, ¿no? Yo creo que todos, eh, creo que antes de la pandemia, sí, creo que antes de la pandemia eh, com- comencé o regresé a ir a terapia y durante la ter- durante la pandemia fue fue importante, ¿verdad? Tener ese ese soporte. Porque sí tenía esos pensamientos como 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 de qué tan útil es lo que yo hago, ¿no? O sea, de, de verdad, de qué, de qué, qué impacto tiene eh, a nivel social, ¿no? Eh, se Sezuna, um, eh, yo creo que todos, o no sé si, bueno, no sé si todos, pero yo creo que eh, sí, sí pasamos por un momento de un poco de depresión, por supuesto. Um, entonces, El tratar que yo, yo creo que lo que yo hice fue con mi trabajo eh, tratar de salir de esos pues sí de esos de esos como baches no como de esos hoyos de, de depresión de sentir como el como de encontrar el sentido no eso es como muy filosófico no no de siempre tratar de estar encontrando el sentido de lo que hacemos pero a veces no nos, nos tenemos que clavar tanto en eso no es, es todos estamos pasando por un momento muy muy difícil Eh, pero yo creo que lo, que lo que me ayudó muchísimo a mí fue mi trabajo, no, fue, fue hacer mi trabajo, refugiarme mi trabajo y, y pues ya, no, porque también la onda como del uso de sustancias eh, o la soledad, uh, de estar solo, verdad, de, de aislarte, eh, puede traer consecuencias no tan no tan gratas.
2: Sí, claro, esta pandemia pues nos ha traído cambios muy drásticos, negativos en nuestras vidas y las ha cambiado completamente y a gran escala, verdad? Pero pues no sacaste algo positivo, algo uh, que puedas comentar, algo que digas, no, pues hubo algo positivo de esta pandemia.
8: No, claro que sí, no la, la onda como de, de reflexionar y de valorar a la gente que está cerca de ti, a la gente que ha estado presente eh, y reflexiono muchísimo en mi trabajo. Eh, Ahorita traigo un proyecto que después haré el anuncio oficial, pero tengo un proyecto que precisamente va a explorar esas, esa, esa que va, va a explorar las relaciones familiares, las relaciones familiares eh, con, con la familia que escogemos y con la familia que nos toca eh, va, va a tener un poquito de esa exploración en las, en las familias que se componen de, de artistas queers, ¿verdad? va a interesante. Pero yo creo que es una de las cosas que a mí me dejó muchísimo, ¿no? Como como tratar de explorar esa parte de mí también familiar, ¿verdad? De saber un poquito más de dónde vengo, eh, la influencia de mi o de, sí, la influencia de mi presencia y de mi estilo de vida o de mi o de mi vida en específico como, como una persona queer, este, con las personas que me rodean. entonces creo que esas es, son es las cosas positivas que me ha dejado y sobre todo eh, enfrentar mis mis miedos, a Enfrentar mi, mis mis miedos sobre en uso de sustancias, enfrentar mis situaciones de convivencia y, 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 y también de, ¿cómo le dicen? De, de breakup, ¿no? También porque <risa> hubo algunos o, eh, o algunos en que nos tocó ¿verdad? sufrir también cuestiones amorosas a lo mejor un poquito pero sí, yo creo que eh, Ha dejado, me ha dejado muchas cosas positivas este haber estado en convivencia conmigo misma en, en todo este tiempo
2: claro como conocernos un poco más y darnos un tiempo para también mejorar nuestra como mejorarnos como persona verdad sí. uh, hay algo algo, algo que COVID 19 haga cambiado permanentemente sobre la manera en que haces tu trabajo de fotografía de sí de fotografía
8: Mira, siempre he tratado de ser muy eh, muy intencional con mi trabajo y con lo que con lo que quiero expresar y con lo que verdad con lo que trato de compartir. Creo que lo que hice es reafirmar esa parte y de tratar de no perder ese foco de, de, de la intencionalidad con la que se hacen las cosas, ¿no? O sea, no es espero que se no sea como ven mi trabajo, no no es es este Específicamente un momento que nada más ah, pasó y se ve cool, se ve chido, ¿verdad? Se fotografió padre, ¿no? Es explorar lo que hay alrededor, ¿no? Yo siempre he hablado en mi trabajo, creo, este del esfuerzo que significa hacer o, o, o organizar un evento, ¿no? Eh, y en específico, por ejemplo, con Tropiteca, ¿no? Lo que representa organizar un festival, ¿no? lo que representa organizar una noche de fiesta, ¿no? cuando detrás de esa organización son mujeres queer, mujeres de la comunidad LGBT, son mujeres latinas, ¿verdad?, que están detrás. O sea, que no hay dinero o tantísimo dinero de por medio para crear estos espacios. Entonces, yo creo que eso es parte de mi intencionalidad cuando cuando yo me intereso en un, en un, en un proyecto o cuando yo fotografío algún artista, algún colectivo o alguna marca, ¿verdad?, Creo que, creo que tiene que ver mucho con esa intencionalidad de, 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 de desde dónde se hacen y desde dónde se organizan tal o cual evento.
2: Claro, y bueno, pues, ¿tú qué sientes al ver a uh, tus proyectos y todo lo que haces? ¿Qué sientes dentro de ti?
8: Pues a mí me encanta, me encanta, cuando me recibí la invitación de esta entrevista me dio muchísimo gusto porque yo creo que lo que hace yo locali es un... un Wow, es un es un oh, no es o sea es que ya no es un proyecto va es un es un es una realidad que les está que les está proporcionando que está haciendo muy intencional para los jóvenes, ¿no? Y yo creo que eso es super super importante. Eh, yo no sé si sabes un poquito de mi historia, pero más o menos como en el 2001 yo eh, tuve clases en Radio Arte y, y ver verdad ver ver eh, Cómo eso a mí me ayudó, mi formación como adolescente o como o como sí, o como adulta joven. Y verme ahora y ver lo que he hecho, claro que me da, mucho, o sea, me da muchísimo... La verdad, me da muchísimo orgullo. Mucho, me da muchísimo orgullo. Me da muchísimo gusto poder estar hablando contigo, que tú tienes la edad en que yo creo que tuve la primera clase de radio en Radio Arte. Entonces... Um, no sé si esa era la pregunta, pero <risa> este, en sí, o oh, ver ver mi trabajo, claro, claro, ver mi trabajo, claro que sí, o sea, yo lo puedo ver, te puedes meter a YouTube, puedes ver lo que yo he hecho en conjunto con otro con muchos otros artistas y es una, satisf- una satisfacción que creo que se está ma- eh, que, bueno, que se está reconociendo y es una satisf- una, una satisfacción, es un, es un es un trabajo que se está reconociendo y es un trabajo que está madurando creo que creo que ahora puedo decir que, que estoy encontrando verdad apenas mi estilo o mi o mi mensaje y yo creo que eso es yo creo que eso es súper importante para la formación de cualquier persona
2: claro bueno felicidades uh, primero que nada y pues para cerrar esta entrevista tienes esperanza de que el mundo vuelva a la normalidad después de esta pandemia
8: Antonio, ¿qué es la normalidad?
2: Bueno, cuotas, (risa) normalidad. O sea, hay ya menos restricciones, que haga menos restricciones, que el COVID esté más regulado, más o menos así.
8: Yo creo que tengo, ¿sabes? Tengo, tengo, tengo esperanza de que nosotros como sociedad podamos ser más. no coherentes, bueno, coherentes con nuestras acciones, por supuesto, pero más empáticos, más empáticos con Con la diversidad de cuerpos y la diversidad de de enfermedades crónicas, de de cuerpos... eh, que existimos, ¿verdad? O sea, la, 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 la diversidad de estatus, diversidad de, 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 de salud, ¿verdad? Que seamos más empáticos. Yo creo que eso es algo que de verdad espero que nos pase, ¿verdad? Que seamos más empáticos, de verdad. Um, que esa sea una nueva normalidad, el ser más empáticos. Eh, yo creo que... Yo no sé, sea. No sé si eso responde a tu pregunta, pero espero 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 que no volvamos a lo, a lo de antes en, en cuestión de que no que me valga la otra persona, que yo si yo estoy bien, qué chido. No, yo creo que yo creo que sí que cambié esa esa forma de vernos entre nosotros. Yo creo que muchas muy, lo que mostró esta pandemia que cómo decían que fue mostró el esqueleto del sistema, ¿no? Eh, y ahora somos más conscientes de Que vemos personas que ten, que batallamos para pagar la renta, que batallamos para, para tener comida, verdad, que, que no tenemos un, un trabajo estable, que y no vimos muchas de las injusticias más más claras, no más en nuestra en nuestra cara y volver a la normalidad de estar ausentes en, 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 en percibir esas realidades no no me gustaría. Yo creo que ahorita esto fue como... ¿Sabes qué? Mira, aquí mira, esto es lo que está pasando... Y esto es real... Y te voy a hacer consciente, ¿verdad? Y a lo mejor te incomoda... Y a lo mejor no estás preparado... para O preparada para para, para, para esta realidad... Pero tenemos que cambiar muchas cosas... So, no sé si eso es lo que, la, a la normalidad que te refieres... Pero si te refieres como a la onda de volver a convivir... Yo creo que va a llegar ese momento... ¿Verdad? De convivir, estar en, en un mismo espacio... Yo creo que va a estar... Va a estar, va a estar vamos a llegar a ese momento... Pero por lo pronto yo creo que eh, la onda de la empatía es la que tiene que tiene que ser la nueva normalidad.
2: Sí, claro. Uh, estupenda respuesta, la mera verdad. Así bueno, es. pues muchas gracias y la mera verdad que un honor tenerte aquí en este programa con nosotros.
8: Entonces, muchísimas gracias, Antonio. es Más bien es mi honor porque te digo, la onda como la juventud, yo siempre... Ah, Qué bonita juventud y saben qué qué chida juventud y los que estén escuchando y los que estén atrás de este proyecto mis felicitaciones y síganle, ¿no? Síganle y lo que yo les pueda ayudar o colaborar con muchísimo gusto.
2: Claro, la, claro las colaboraciones para unir al mundo, ¿verdad? Eso es lo que Claro lo que me sí. muchísimo, ¿verdad? Y bueno, pues a uh, mucha suerte con tus proyectos futuros ¿verdad? y bueno, pues hasta la próxima. Hasta la uh, <laughs> <laughs> well guys uh we were with sandro viedo aka colectivo multipolar remember you're listening to wlpn lp lumpen radio 105.5 fm this was what's up humans in the music scene see you guys next time
5: hello it's me
0: i haven't heard from you in a while
1: I hope it's because you're listening and enjoying our amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delicious, funny, breathtaking, wee snatching ready. Lady popping production.
0: If not, you should listen to our radio show, What's Up, again.
1: In the meantime, we'll be twerking on our next one. Here in Lumpin' Radio. So stay tuned for our next amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, yay, inspiring, yay. delicious, funny, breathtaking, yay. weave-snatching, highly amazing production. I hope that you were informed about the Yolo-licious parts of life and get your bag
4: every
0: Don't forget to listen to us on SoundCloud at Yolo Kali, on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr at Yolo Kali, or visit at YoloKali.org for more.
3: We need the robot.